If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Guests telling us things we don't know about, telling us things we have never done, things we have never seen and will never do. There specialist guests telling us things we don't know about, telling us things we have never done, things we have never seen and will never do. There specialist guests telling us things we don't know about. Things we have never done, things we have never seen, and we'll never do. Ooh, 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 yeah. Talk in your ear and tell you all the things that I've done, baby girl. Baby girl. Ooh, let me talk in your ear and tell you all the things I've achieved. Hi. Hi. I've got a bloody I'm need I can't have that red dressing <laughs> gown on the <laughs> Yeah, I just che- I just moved my thing. Because you know I've got that stupid painting of me on a horse. I just I can't I can't <laughs> kneel for an hour. I'm <laughs> kneeling my... at a bedside table. <laughs> oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, you do look like the camera's on the floor. Oh and shit. You're peering down at her. Oh for God's sake. If you see a bit of bed, you can't see bed. No, no, don't, don't, don't. I'm really uncomfortable. <laughs> Have you got a good chair? No, because I'm in the bedroom. <laughs> oh, you just you sat like a mermaid. <laughs> on your I am. <laughs> I, well, my worry is that the mic's going to come out when I'm... Mermaiding. <laughs> I think how... I can't lay on my side can I? on the bed. No, you can't. <laughs> like no, don't do that. Oh, I can't do it. You look like you're doing it from a park bench. No, don't do that. No, no. I don't know what to do then. Well, look, I can't. My, I can't my, do this on a bed. You're oh well. Will she go? Why is he kneeling? Well, she's never seen you do it before, so it might be your thing. How's that? Does it look like I'm sat on a chair? <laughs> so you stood up. 
I've got to tell her straight away I'm in a bedroom with no chair. <laughs> There's no way I can do this on my knees for an hour. God, imagine what you're going to be like after an hour. Well, I'm going to be constantly going like that throughout the... <laughs> I'm really not. What about sitting on the bed? Is that all right? Are you comfy like that? No. No. <laughs> Why, does it look all right? Yeah, that's fine. Does it? Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> Super little prep for this one. Are uh, you ready? We should tell them who we're meeting. Yeah. Okay. You comfy? No, you're not comfy. Your face tells me you're not comfy. No, I'm not comfy. That's all I'm thinking about. I've got to tell her straight away. I hope she's all right with that. Right, we're meeting Tracy Edwards, MBE, uh, who is who sailed around the world. Uh, that's not a great summary, is it? <laughs> first, um, all female, all female first. Yeah. So let me, read, let me read the Wikipedia thing. It's better than I do okay. that. She's a British sailor. In 1989, she skippered the first all-female crew in the Whitbread Round the World Yacht Race, becoming the first woman to receive the Yachtsman of the Year trophy and was appointed an MBE. She's written two books about her experiences. And then there's lots about where she grew up and stuff. I seem to... Have you got a memory of this as a child? Yes, this I sort do. Of, yeah, I have as yeah. well. In fact, I was thinking earlier... Little did I know, just shift position <laughs> into the mermaid. Oh, there's going to be every now and then a sentence that goes, All right. little did I know. Yeah, little did I know. <laughs> Sorry, I'm really aware of how I'm sitting. I don't like it. Mate, could you, you go on all fours? <laughs> Can I just quickly see what it looks like on all fours? You you podding on all fours. <laughs> Can I get a grab on <laughs> Your posture. What? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I'll lunch back. Uh, well, <laughs> welcome, uh, Tracy. Seriously, it's pathetic. Uh, oh. I remember what. What I remember is on the news. I think I. Rem you know, you go. I think I remember them arriving back in the UK and getting a hero's welcome. Yeah. And I remember lots of people on the... Waving. Waving yeah. on the on the sh shoreline, or not shoreline, where you come in. Was it where all the boats, boats are parked up? What's that bit called? The harbour. Harbour. So they come into the harbour and everyone, and then I remember the news articles. And I remember the boat being massive. Right. Or looking massive. I want to know why... <laughs> I think my angle is, uh, why does she do that and I don't? I can tell you that. How? Oh, no. Why? <laughs> well, I can tell why you don't. Yeah, but why? Why haven't I got that? I got defensive recently. About what? Something, something's mentioned about my lack of adventure. And all. <laughs> well, my career's been pretty adventurous. <laughs> all right, David. <laughs> oh, dear. What was, the, what, what, what was the context of you not being adventurous? Oh, I don't know. I I remember something. We were talking to Craig Cash when we were filming Rovers, and me, you and him and a few others were talking about going on holiday, and he said, I don't like going on holiday. He said that? Yeah, I like I like being at home. Yeah, and it was like, same. Oh, yeah, same, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that guy just said it. <laughs> he just said that. 
Oh, what? He had confidence in his own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He didn't. Yeah, he just yeah got... exactly. Oh, Tracy's here. Oh, okay. Right, I've got to explain immediately. You or don't you look weird, though. That's the thing. So it might really? be weird you explaining it. Well, I've got to say it. Hello. 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 Hello, hello. Hi. Hello. I haven't got my camera on because my internet is so crap. Oh, no. oh, that's all right. I'm sort of wishing I haven't got mic because I'm sat on the floor, Tracy. I'm slightly <laughs> worried. <laughs> it's all right, isn't it? We are all equal in Zoom oh, meetings. Thank oh, God lovely. for that. Um, I'm also slightly aware. Can, can I jump up? Because my door next door is banging constantly. Ah, so I'm so I sorry. Stop a boy in the road from bouncing a football. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, well, I'm now the dragon lady of my road. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks for coming on, Tracy. Oh, no, not at all. I'm leaning on a bedside. Basically, I'm at my friend's house. So this is not normally how I pod, but I'm leaning on a bedside table. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Sorry about that. You all right, Joe? Yeah, it's the first time we've had the windows open. I forgot it makes all the doors bang. Oh, Spring <laughs> yeah. has sprung. Oh, it has. Yeah. It has. Where are you, Tracy? In Putney. Oh. Are you in Putney? I used to live around that way. Oh, do, do you know everyone in the world has a connection to Putney of some I, description? <laughs> I, well, I lived in I lived just off Wandsworth Roundabout, but I used to walk uh, deliberately walk to Putney Overground Station and pretend I lived in Putney. <laughs> and, I, and I used to it was a really lovely road, and I used to because um, I lived in a sort of horrible flat, and I I used to choose a different house that I'd be living in in a few years and go, I think I'll live in that one. And I'm, no, I never did. But no, um, I'm very lucky. It's a great place to live, especially in the spring. We've just um, I walk my dog really early in the morning because uh, she doesn't like other dogs, and I don't like other humans. So um, we walk <laughs> along. Including twelve-year-old boys. Twelve-year-old <laughs> 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 boys. Um, yeah, so we we do the walk at sort of five six o'clock in the morning. So oh, wow. now these mornings, the sun is coming up over Putney Bridge as we walk home, and it is just glorious. That's a pretty so bridge. Yeah. Tracy, can I ask a question? Talking to you, my my sort of angle on this is how come you sailed around the world and I never leave my house? <laughs> What's the difference between you and me? Like how how did you become that person? How did I become that person? Because me and Joe always talk about sort of how dull we are. Our <laughs> life is. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, we're about to find that out for the next forty-five to fifty minutes. <laughs> Each to their own. Each yeah, to their yeah. Own. I mean, yeah. I have to say now I am a home bird. You know, I love being at home now. Um, right. Yeah. And I, I, I just, you know, sort of, I've done my traveling, done my traveling. But I guess why I did that was I spent a lot of my early life running away from things. And, uh, you know, running away to sea was a part of that process and an escapism. Right. Okay. So you, I saw you went travelling when you were, was it 16? I know, 16. Wow. That's, how how brave was my mum? Cool. Yeah, with yeah. no, because my son's just, my son's 20, or he was when he went, and he went to Thailand this year. And, you know, I could be in touch with him every day on WhatsApp, but your mum had to say goodbye. Oh, my I, God. You know, I've often wondered whether that, was a good thing or a bad thing because yeah. of course, because there was no communication and no, 
she was never waiting for me to communicate right, because yeah. even phone calls from Greece, I mean, when I got to Greece, phone calls from Greece to the UK were, you know, sort of a whole day enterprise. You know, you had to set aside at least three or four hours. And, you know, it mm. was uh, so because I think she never expected to hear from me. She wasn't that awful thing of waiting. But I have when my daughter travels, why hasn't she WhatsApp to me? Why oh, hasn't she God. messaged me? Has she landed? Why hasn't she WhatsApp? Where is she? So yes. <laughs> that's a whole new set of worries. So I don't know. I don't know which one is better, really. Yeah, sometimes yeah. not knowing, isn't it? You know. I, I guess my mother not knowing what I was getting up to a lot of the time was probably a good what thing. Were you guessing? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you being so coy about it? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I often think that if she truly understood, you know, some of the risks that I guess we all took, you know, in the in our teenage years, backpacking and travelling. Um, although I, I have to say. I, mean, I don't know. My impression this may not be true, but I think the world was world was a safer place then. I mean, I got myself into uh, you know sort of trouble once um, in the south of France where I was mugged, um, and that was my own stupid fault. But apart from that, I mean, pretty much unscathed for the mm. for the entire of, of you know sort of all my travels. Which is were you on were you on your own? Did you set off on your own? I did go on my own. Um, well, first of all, I went with my boyfriend, and then he decided that um, backpacking uh, was not for him. And so that when I went back properly, uh, when I actually the second time I got the magic bus to Greece. Now, anyone of my age will remember what the magic bus was. It was basically the cheapest way you could get from UK to Greece. It took four days. And the traveling conditions were awful, but a bunch of hippies on a on a bus called the Magic Bus, going from the UK to Greece through oh. you know every possible country you could imagine um, before you got there. So that that was a huge amount of fun, and and then sort of making friends when I got to Greece, and you know a lot of very like minded young people. I guess all of us running away from something you know, sort of creating these weird surrogate families. Because mm. yeah. well, I never travelled, but everyone always said, because you're, if you're travelling on your own, they met much more people because they always said, if you're in a sort of couple or something, people think you don't want to be meeting new people. But if you go on your own, so people, I know, still know people they're still friends with from travelling because they just went oh, off. Oh, that's and then, so true. That, that. That's so true. You know, when you are with someone else, it gives you an excuse not to speak to other people. Mm. When you're on your own, you have to. Yeah. Um, and, and you're sort of more approachable, aren't you? Because people are like, oh, they're on their Todd, so let's go and... Exactly. And then you do end up with groups, you know, sort of different groups of people. And I know people will find this hard to believe about me, but I used to be quite shy when I was that age, um, you know, and, and so... Talking to people I, I didn't know I found hugely difficult. So you're right, when you're on your own, you tend to get adopted by by groups of people and, and sort of drawn into their adventures. And you, and you travel with different people as well. I mean, I, I met uh, I met a guy called Shax, who I've never forgotten. Um, and and we, this was in the days where you would sleep on the beaches in Greece, you know, and, and we slept on the beach in Cos and he taught me, you know, sort of the cheapest restaurants to go to and, and how to be a proper backpacker, you know. I mean, he was, a, I think, a bit of a legend in the backpacking world. 
Uh, and I am still in touch with a lot of people I travelled with in those early days, and and almost everyone I've ever sailed with. You know, we're all we're all in in touch with each other. Thank goodness for Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Is it is it because he's sort of done this? Probably the maddest. Well, not probably for you, but for a lot of people, like the maddest thing they've ever done is just go off and explore the world. Do you know what I mean? And it's like if you ever do anything in a that feels like different. Like I guess stand up's a bit like that because if you sort of do. So it's a bit odd. It sort of bonds you forever, doesn't it? Do oh, absolutely. It? Yeah. I think it makes it quite difficult to come home, having said that, because all my friends that I grew up with, um, every time I would come home, we didn't have that much to talk about, which was a bit weird. But you learn to deal with that as you get older um, and, and you, you learn to go back to a point in time that you can all talk about. But uh, that did make me not one to come home uh, after my first sort of few times of, of returning back. So that yeah. kicked off your adventure bug, did it? Yes. I realised then I was a traveller. I, I didn't know who I was until then. I, oh. I, I spent my first 16 years of my life being on the outside of everything, looking in and not quite, I never really got stuff. Everyone else seemed to get everything and I, I never really got, got it. And I didn't ever know what even it was. And I only felt comfortable and I only felt myself when I was with all these weird and wonderful people traveling, which, you know, whatever method, hitchhiking or um, which, oh, my goodness, you can't do now, but uh, or, or sailing, you know, and, and jumping on different boats with different people and, and you know, doing deliveries or charters and working on all, all of these different boats. Uh, I very quickly realized, oh, this this is who I am. And actually... Mm. These are my people. These, mm. what a these are the moment. people I've been searching my whole life for, and they're all here. <laughs> it was a I revelation. I, I think you sort of made me realise. I think I felt a bit like that with stand up. Yeah, yeah. Suddenly, if you're in a sort of yes. community of idiots that like mucking around, and yeah, yeah, you, yeah. yeah you, you don't know. You don't know you have a gang out there, do you? That's the thing. No, you just sort no. of wander around, sort of going, oh, I sort of fit in a bit there, not that much there, and then you. Yeah. You do something that you it's 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 a sort of joint passion though, isn't it? Yeah. That's what bonds you all together. You sort of go, Oh, we all love this. So we can't be that you know, we're we can't be all that different. That sounds like a very similar situation that that, that you're yeah. describing. I've got a um here's a hitchhiking story, it just reminded me. <laughs> I used to hitchhike when I was seventeen and I was once yeah. No. Oh yeah. I, c I don't. I don't know who you are now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, full of contradictions. <laughs> uh, I was picked up by Christopher Robbins' grandson. No. Yeah. What? Because I used to live in Hartfield. <laughs> so random. Yeah, where A.O. Milne lived, and uh, unless he was maybe he was lying, but I don't think he was lying. <laughs> Christopher Robbins' grandson. <laughs> I met, I met, well, talking of grandson, I met, uh, what's his name, Sinclair's grandson. You know, the one who made the C5. Right. <laughs> Are we talking about grandson? You're always trumping me, Joe. <laughs> I don't think that does trump you. <laughs> Sorry, we've yeah, gone off topic. Yeah. No. <laughs> and that was my fault. Great Sorry. story. <laughs> yeah, great stories. Mine not more so of those much. over the next yeah, yeah, 45 yeah. minutes. He lived on Travolta. Tracy, Square. why are you not scared of the sea and I am? 
Oh, I so am... I, f- I find it. Are you all scared? Yeah, yeah. I, I think if you're not, we're not scared, but I have a huge amount of respect oh, for right. its power, and it has scared me um, at times. And and I think, David, that you, that you would be an idiot if you weren't scared of the sea. That that's the thing, you know. If, if you know any any captain that I set sail with that says it is blasé about the you know the ocean, and and uh, I, I would would worry about a lot so you have but you can still get on it tracy you can you can still sail on it yeah but then i've been lucky i've always sailed with amazing people who really knew what they were doing and all through my learning time i had amazing mentors all my skippers were these awesome guys who no there were no female skippers then i mean they were all men who saw something in me that i didn't see in myself and had that amazing ability to mentor and to bring something out of me. And that, how lucky was that? So every boat I went on, my confidence grew. I realized I wasn't an idiot, well, not a complete one, that I could, you know, sort of do some things, that I could become part of a team, that I was a valuable member of a team. That had never happened before. That's such Um, a lovely moment when you go, (laughs) you just sort of... Fit in. Yeah, you suddenly sort of fit in and belong. Oh, God. Yeah, and also seeing... You see, I was sailing with people that always had, you know, these roughy tufty ocean racers always had a very healthy respect of the sea. You know, you don't take your eye off the sea because it's always trying to kill you. Um, you know, so so I, I, you know, sort of went through my first few years of sailing, learning this and understanding this. And, you know, so, I mean, you will never, uh, you'll never find anyone who's had a lifetime sailing who hasn't at some point been utterly terrified of what the ocean can do to you. Oh, my You know, word. when you realise, wow, when she's angry, blimey, you know, those oh. huge bays and the screaming winds and the ferocity, just the anger sometimes of what's going on around you is truly humbling. Oh, can, you ex- can you explain what it's like to... And also how lonely it is. Sort of well, like I've never sailed on my own. Um, so do, you, I don't... do you ever feel lonely within your gang on the sea? or As a skipper, I did. Yeah. I guess, well, maybe not surprisingly. When I was, not, when I was just part of the crew, I always felt very much, you know, part of a team, part of a crew, part of a gang. Here we all are together, you know, sort of... It, it, you know, you trust your lives with these people. You know, you you have this massive amount of respect for each other. Being the skipper is slightly different because mm. there are some times where you have to kind of pretend that you think everything's going to be okay, even when inside you're thinking, <laughs> so, oh. um, you know. That's, that that's what I can't get my head around. There is, I guess it's when you're a crew, you go, oh, you're <laughs> obviously looking up to the captain. But when you're the captain, you go, right, I don't know what's coming. And whatever it is, I've got. Oh, I've got to make the decision. I don't trust myself in any situation. Genuinely, no. I, no. Like I, if I, if we go for a walk, I'll literally just <laughs> go to the back of the, whoever's you know, and I'll go. They'll lead. I'll follow them. And that includes like through any you know, like if someone said we're going to go down this way, I go. Yep, that'll do me. Yeah. I don't understand someone go, like going right. I'll take on whatever's going to be thrown mm. at us. I'll just Well, you see, I, I was lucky enough to have spent a long time at the back looking at the person at the front learning 
and I, I, uh, you know, I learned so much from every skipper I ever had. I didn't have a bad skipper during my entire sailing career. That's pretty phenomenal. And every single one of them imparted something to me. So when it came to doing Maiden, which was, I mean, purely for selfish reasons, you know, I wasn't a screaming feminist then. I mean, I am now. Um, but, you know, then it was just like, well, no man will ever let me navigate on a Whitbread around the world race boat. So I'm going to have to put my own team together. But that means I'm going to have to be the leader, you know, the navigator, the skipper. So I kind of fell into it. But as I was falling into it, I thought, you know what? I, I think I know what I need to know. I think I've learned from all these amazing people. I think I can, I think I can do this. So it was a sort of a process of realization. And then you know, getting to the point where I I could do nothing else but lead because mm. everything that was thrown at us, you know, this, you can't do it, you're not strong enough, you're not smart enough, you're girls, girls don't get on, all of these things that were thrown at us just made me think, right, okay, I, this, I have to do this. This is your typical radio ad while eating a Crunch Bar. This is Automatic of Auto's Used Cars. This weekend only, we're having a whale. Bring the kids. See for yourself. It is huge. Gonna make a big splash. No other dealer can say they have a whale like this. When things sound dull, turn up the fun with Crunch. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. Tracy, can we just explain to, to the listener that Basically, you, well, you you captained the first all female crew. Yeah, around in the in the yacht race around the world, and yeah, you were only twenty six. Yeah, that's insane, isn't it? A little bit. <laughs> but you see, young, don't you remember being twenty six? We had yeah, I no wasn't, fear. I wasn't in charge of a single thing. Including no, like a lawnmower or anything. Do you know what I was doing? I was hollowing out loaves of bread, bread and putting mints in them <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon, then eating it and then falling asleep. <laughs> That's but all you know, I was we... doing. I was deciding to drop out of 11 aside. <laughs> but, you know, do you remember we had no fear when we were 26? I had loads. Did you? I had lo- yeah. That's what I mean. I can't, like you saying you had to do that and... I just cannot. I think I it's. Know. I think it's for me. Like I, I didn't have. I, I'd less fear, but I think it was the the thought of aiming that high. Just I just look back and think it's now, untouchable. Yeah, yeah, so much stuff is untouchable. But you went no, like no. You just said no one's going to allow me to do this, so I'm going to do it. it. Just blows my mind, especially at 26. You just go no, let's do it. Well, where's where does that come from? Where you just went right? No, I'll, I'll, I'm going to skip a my own yacht I guess yeah that's that's takes well, I some... guess there was no other way to do it if I mean if 
if there had been a boat that has said, you know, you don't have to go through all of that, you can come and be our navigator, I would have done that. Mm. So in a way, being told I couldn't do it was the best thing that ever happened to me because that's mm. how, you know, Maiden became the first all-female crew to sail around the world, let alone race around. So how did you make um, it happen? I'm really interested to go from having the idea in the pub, which I'm sure there was a chance. It you know, was actually a pub idea. How everything starts that? in the pub, everything. <laughs> Every mad. Well, which pub was it? Do you know? Remember the pub? The King and Queen in Hamble. It's the yachting mecca of of the South Coast. Oh, where's where's that? Sorry, where's Hamble? Hamble. It's just outside Southampton. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, so on the Hamble River, uh, King right. and Queen. It's where all yachties of of any um, note go to to um, wet their whistle when they're in yeah. the UK. So you, you um, lots of many. very good and very bad ideas have been yeah, born. In so you had a couple, a couple so. too many. And who were you with? And how did it? I mean, I want to know how you went from pub to oh shit, we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a little bit yeah. like that. Well, I bumped into this guy Howard, and um, he said, I, "I hear you've just done the Whitbread on Atlantic Privateer, and now you want to." do the Whitbread with an all-female crew, is that right? So I said, well, I think that's the only way I can be a navigator on a, on a round-the-world race boat, which is ultimately what I want to do. That's my passion. And he said, well, you know, I'm a yachting journalist, so I can I can help you with some stuff. I went, how do you fancy being my project project manager? And he went, uh, yeah, okay. Um, right. So we sat down literally back of a fag packet. Um, so how much money do you think we need? Um, and, you know, um, it went from there. We really, we didn't know what we didn't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so that is probably way. the best place yeah. to start from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Otherwise you never start anything, do you, if you go <laughs> exactly. I mean, do you, do you look back at your 26-year-old self and go, cool, if you yes. had known, would you have still done it? If I'd known what was coming, yeah, yes, I would have, yeah, absolutely. And and actually, the more difficult it became, the more because you know when I started, as I said, I mean, it was for selfish reason. I wanted to be the navigator. So if I had to put my own team together and choose myself as the navigator, then so you, you didn't, know, you didn't really have aspirations to be a captain. You wanted to be the navigator. So I, I didn't just... actually, Joe. You're you're absolutely right. I was going to be the navigator, and I was going to have a skipper, and I did choose someone, um, a French woman called Marie-Claude Kieffer, who was one of the most awesome female, uh, French female sailors. She joined, you know, sort of to become a skipper. We butted heads. We, we, we were two very alpha females. Um, we had a massive fallout uh, and I sacked her two weeks before the start, which was oh, the wow. m- one of the most awful things I've ever done in my life to another human being, actually, because it didn't give her enough time to get on another boat and I should have tackled it earlier and one of my huge regrets. But I do have to say now that Mary Claude is um, that now my team manager for what we're doing with Maiden now because we got back together. Oh, that's nice. Made our apologies, realised that, that no she's we... our next guest. <laughs> yes, yeah, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, surprise. <laughs> yeah. Well, we realised we both said that we would never have survived if we sailed around the world together. We would have killed each other. So she did the next <laughs> race, which was which was great. And now we're working together, which is fantastic. So, what are the logistics of back of a pub, back of a fag packet? Got an idea. What do you do? So the next day when you wake up with a hangover, what, what do you have to do? How, how do you get a boat? How do you get a team? How do you, what do you do? You know, you're so spot on. 
I woke up the next morning, the doorbell went, I opened the door and there was this man standing there and I went, yes. He said, it's Howard. I went, um, Howard, yes, vaguely remember you from last night. He said, well, we're going to put a team together to say it around the world. I went, we are? Oh, right. Okay. Um, so that's, that's where it all started. But it was literally, um, okay, so we're going to need to raise some money. Um, so we, we had a, a, a guesstimate of how much money we thought we'd need. We were going to design and build our own boat. That didn't happen because we couldn't find the sponsorship. But then, you know, something amazing happened with Maiden. And Maiden's always had this, I think, this magic, um, this ability to bring people together, which she still has now. Because our shore team wasn't just women. We were uh, six women, uh, three guys and three girls on on the shore team. Obviously, the, the crew was then all female. But Maiden drew together this extraordinary group of people who, in my wildest dreams, I could never have imagined that such amazing people were out there. And they then, you know, sort of came in and said, right, I'll do this, you need this, and I'll do that, you need that. And all I did really, if I'm honest, was to, I was just the puppet master. I just managed everything. But all of these extraordinary people made it happen. I mean, raising the money was just a, it <laughs> was just a nightmare. Um, as it is still today, raising money for women's sports is still a nightmare. Um, you know, we, the reactions were, well, this would, this would be really great PR for our company. But if you all die, you know, it'll really be bad PR. <laughs> like, oh, sure, sure, yeah. Okay. That's the problem oh. there, the PR. Yeah, the fact that. But uh, what's the likelihood of things going wrong in the, in the round the world race? Well, huge. Um, so really? what you're trying to do as a team is you're trying to reduce the element of luck to the tiniest element possible. So, you know, you, 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 your percentage of luck is, is, is reduced by your ability to manage different parts of, of, of the project. So, you know, how much money you raise means that how, what a quality boat you can, we ended up buying a boat. Um, you know, the quality of the crew, the team, the, the, all of these things coming together, everything you do right, every part of your planning and preparation, every minute you spend thinking about what could possibly go wrong, you are reducing that mm. element of risk. Um, so that that's what you spend an inordinate amount of your time doing. And as you're bringing together all of these elements, um, you know, you're learning, okay, so this has to happen next. And and also realizing I'd learned much more from the previous Whitbread Around the World race, which I'd done as a cook. <laughs> as a cook. Um, and realizing I'd learned loads from that. Yeah. The jump up though, isn't it? It was a little bit of a jump up. <laughs> it, 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 yeah. it does make me laugh when I look back at my, because I was 23 when I decided to do Maiden. I was 26 when I skipped it. But at the age of 23, being a stewardess and a cook, and wondering, well, why won't anyone take me seriously that I want to skip at this boat of women? <laughs> of course, looking back on it now and laughing my head off. You had the idea at 23, because I've just got your 26 in my head. So you're actually coming was up with 23 this at, when at I finished. 23, right. Yeah, the 85, 86 with bread. But you see, you have even less fear at the age of 23. Mm. Tracy, what's the route? Where do you go and how long does it take? Uh, so it's 33,000 miles. Uh, the race that we did with Maiden, there, there are different um, stopovers. So the race that we did with Maiden was nine months, 33,000 miles um, from, the, <clears throat> from the UK down to Uruguay and South America. 
then from Uruguay all the way down south through the Southern Ocean to um, Auckland, uh, New Zealand. Now, that was the longest leg the Whitbread had ever seen. It was 7,800 miles, which is six to seven weeks at sea. And that actually is, someone died on that leg. Um, someone went overboard from from one of the yachts and, and they were recovered um, and they were dead, which was just so awful. Um, a real reminder. What, sorry, of, from another boat? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, his name was Andrew Phillips. Uh, sorry, Anthony Phillips. And um, did they know what happened? He was 34 years old. Two of them went over the side. Um, they think that he hit his head as he went over and he was floating the wrong way up when they got. I mean, incredible that they recovered both of them. Um, one of them survived and, and one of them didn't. And, and he was later then buried at sea, um, which his parents oh, requested, wow. I mean, which was just, which was a very. It was a very, uh, you feel very, you, you're reminded of your mortality, obviously, at that point, and very strange that you've got 23 yachts all sailing through the Southern Ocean, and this one thing has happened on this one boat, and you're all experiencing this, because we're all friends, you know, and when we're all, we all want to, you know, beat each other at sea, but we're, we're a big traveling team of people, so every stopover we get to, we're like a big family, you know, some 250 people, we all know each other, we all drink with each other, we all get on with each other. So it was like losing a, a member of the family, um, which was very sad. Um, and then once you get to uh, to New Zealand, um, it's a short 3,400-mile leg um, to, oh, sorry, Australia, and then it's New Zealand, sorry, that's a short leg. Then round Cape Horn to back to Uruguay. Then the first stopover in America we did in Fort Lauderdale, which is where we wore the swimsuits coming in, which caused a little bit of a stir. <laughs> and then the final leg back to the UK. That's you say that's seven months. Nine months. Nine yeah. months. Wow. I, I don't know why, but I want to know like what's the living condition? How do you, what's because the boats are so sort of big, but they're not. How many pe How many crew, and how do you live? How do you live for nine months on a boat? That is such a good question. Um, it, it's so weird. Twelve people on a fifty-eight foot yacht, so there is not a lot of room inside. Um, you own, so you're hot bunk bunking. You never have your own bunk. You're getting in and out of whichever bunk is available when you come down off your watch. Um, the living conditions are. Or squalid would be a good way to describe really? them. Um, you know, on the hot legs, you're all sweating and there's no cooling system on the boat. So that's pretty disgusting. Um, you never use fresh water to wash. So you, if you can get seawater washed, then that's great. Um, if not, then you, you just don't bother. Uh, the food is freeze-dried, which is nutrition actually very good for you and it has come along a lot since then. I mean, it was developed for the astronauts. Um, so, you know, you in the Southern Ocean, you're trying to eat 5,000 calories a day, which is a huge amount of calories for a five-foot-two person like me to eat, but you're trying to keep your weight up. Um, your body starts to deteriorate as soon as you cross the start line. So... Uh, pain and cold are the two quickest ways to lose weight. That's what drops body weight off you. So in the Southern Ocean, you're 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 getting frostbite in your fingers and toes, um, and you're really cold. So your body is trying to, to take these five thousand calories in every day to keep you warm. 
um, but you, you get cold anyway. And so the fat on your body starts to literally disintegrate. Um, so you start to become quite unhealthy. You start to become very tired because you're doing four hours on watch, four hours off watch, four hours on watch, four hours off watch. And, you know, you could do that for six or seven weeks. Um, in the Southern Ocean, it's minus 30 degrees below freezing. What? Uh, you, salt water never dries. So um, so what? when your clothes get wet with salt water, it never properly dries. It always has a slightly damp feeling to it. Um, and so you're putting on this, I mean, you, you keep on your layers of underwear, or thermal underwear. Why would you take them off? Um, so you just put more layers on each other. Some of them get damp. Um, you end up with what's called pizza bum. Um, oh which that, I'll leave you to your own imaginations on. on that. <laughs> I'm suddenly very hungry. <laughs> <laughs> you, you wouldn't be if you'd seen some of them. But um, can they also smell you coming from thousands of miles? Oh, absolutely! Well? Yes, goodness gracious, yes. Although I do have to say, we took a certain level of pride. We would all keep um, a set of clothes back. These were our famous pink shorts. Um, and our grey polo shirts. And we had um, one girl on board who was a great hairdresser. So we used to all wash the day before we got into the finish line, put on these really clean, cute, you know, sort of sailing clothes. All our hair would be washed and braided. We literally looked like we'd sailed around the corner. And all the male boats would get in, you know, with beards and yeah. Belly yeah. And They're making it look really easy. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so, it was quite funny. People used to look at us and say, You haven't just really done 5,000 miles. Yes, yeah. we have. <laughs> and how do you get used to um, four hours on, four hours off? Because that, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just sleep four hours at a time then. Yeah. Is that body. Does your body get used to that? Because yes, it does. It yeah, does. Uh, surprisingly easily, actually. This 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 sleep pattern that we have developed um, as a as supposedly civilized animals um, is very unnatural. What, oh, what really? we you know, this the sleeping eight hours at night and then you know sort of working eight hours and then having eight hours um, downtime. What usually what will happen in the animal kingdom is you sleep after you eat um, while you digest your food. Um, which is what we do on the boat. Um, so you have incremental sleep patterns are incremental. Um, and we used to, we were part of a lot of sleep studies. In the end, we changed our, our watch system with the next project that we did. We did five hours off and three hours on, and we split both watches into two. And that was a really effective um, uh, way to sail. The, the the problem with the four on four off is that when you get to land, you then find it really hard to sleep. You know, so you're yeah, in some right. sort of weird sleep pattern. And I suppose you don't want to sort of come out of it too much, do you? Because exactly right. You you mm. you you try and stay in this sort of you know this pattern that you've gone into. It's almost impossible to do that. But um, how long would you be at a place then if you let you know if you landed in Australia? How long are you on land before you sail off again? It's about three to four weeks, depending. Oh, right. Yeah. So you've got to repair the boat um, right. and, and the crew yeah. <laughs> in some cases. Um, and then you're trying to put some weight back on, um, you know, get fit again. 
That um, must be a fun bit. Is that a fun bit? <laughs> yeah. the, one bit, the one bit I'd be superb. Eating a lot is, yeah, yeah that's oh, always lovely. the fun bit. There's a blancmange. I love having to be told enough. <laughs> Tracy, can I ask this question? About 20 years ago, I had a dream. It was a nightmare. I was, <laughs> I was out at sea and I saw this enormous whale. <laughs> and it was, it was one of the, it's a this nightmare that st- stuck with me that I was kind of bobbing around at sea with this whale kind of swimming around me. My question to you is, have you ever seen a whale? <laughs> yes, we've seen have lots, you? lots of whales, yes. Ah. Um, How big are they? Are they scary? What was it like? Can so you help me with whale... my dream? <laughs> and what do you think my dream means? <laughs> <laughs> the biggest whale we ever saw was, I would say, about 20 feet longer than Maiden, and we're 58 feet. Flip that. Yeah. And we were becalmed for the day, so we had no wind. Um, it was quite warm. Everyone was sitting up on deck. The boat was hardly moving. I mean, the, the sails were just oh. sort of hung. They weren't even flapping. And um, the, what happened, you smell them before you see them because, you know, when and they, they smell blow, first, eh? they, they could definitely smell us. <laughs> but when they blow, you know, when they blow the, um, uh, yeah. the water, the air, they, it smells of... Uh, beaches, seaweed, um, the, the what you imagine the ocean smells like. So you know one's around. And then you see the blow and you think, oh, wow, you know, and you, everyone, no matter how many times you see whales and dolphins at sea, it is always magic. And you never, ever, it never gets tired. Have you ever seen so the magic whale, tail thing? You know, the, where the tail... Yes. Have you seen We've that? We've seen that quite a few times. Oh. But this whale actually didn't breach that much. He just, came, I think we were, <clears throat> I think we were a bit of shade for him. So he just came up alongside us and just slightly underneath us, just stayed there for the day. You know, sort of bobbing up, yes, really? bobbing up and down to take breaths every so often. Um, it was, was just, company it with was, you for the day. He, he was just, yeah, just hanging, hanging out. My word! I do know. I, you would have had to have de- dealt with me panicking. At that point, <laughs> I don't think you'd have made the crew to be honest with you. No, no. You tripping up on the way to the boat would have probably given them into it's just this, it's how big they are, it's the size of them, just but they're so you. gentle, you know. Are they and, really? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, we've seen sharks, dolphins, dolphins are so much fun because they come and play with the boats, and when you think. You know, you're doing sort of maybe 15 knots and they can do 45 knots. And so they're just like, they're just, you know, walking along basically. and They jump out and you see them on the bow. And no matter, as I say, no matter how many times you've seen them, someone shouts down below, dolphins! And everyone's coming up as their bumps on them. And seabirds, albatrosses in the Southern Ocean are so beautiful. I do have to say, though, that um, just in my very short career at sea, which is 40 years, I have seen the reduction of wildlife and the increase of pollution and plastic, and that's just in 40 years. And it is shameful, shameful what we are doing to our oceans. So what have you seen that sort of shocked you out in this? Uh, We've sailed through uh, a plastic island. Um, of considerable size. Um, well, just where I mean, all the plastics just join together and yeah, so it, it gets caught oh up my in a God. current system. Um, you know, we often have to avoid these lethal, awful floating um, these drag nets, which they these fishermen they cut loose, 
and they float about 20 feet below the surface and they just kill everything in their paths. So dolphins, sharks, sunfish, um, mankind is it? Humankind is an utter disgrace, quite frankly. Um, and we see we've seen oil slicks in my my worst my worst sighting of anything was when um, we were on Atlantic Privateer on the eighty five eighty six race, and we went very far south into the Southern Ocean, and there is a Mauritanian. I can never say that word, Mauritanian, um, of fishing in uh, around the Antarctic. So no countries are allowed to fish in certain areas, but there's a lot of illegal fishing goes on. And there was a big Russian um, mothership down there and, and loads of smaller fishing uh, vessels. And they were just raping the ocean. That's the only way that I can describe it. Um, and sailing past this was just, it was just heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. So it's not just what we know is going on, there's stuff that we don't know that's going on. And um, every so often you come across it as a, you know, when you're sailing and it's um, shocking. Good Lord. Um, um, I was going to ask right, a very is, dull can, question. Please, can I get this question? Because okay. this is not dull, Joe. This could, this could. Oh, so I have to be... take my dull question after your excellent question. Please. Perfect. <laughs> I mean, tra <laughs> Tracy. Have you ever seen an unidentified creature? Oh, I'm less worried about my question now. That's a great question. Oh, is it? Um, Thank you. Yes. No, no, you haven't. You haven't? <laughs> no. I was kind of hoping to say like a giant squid. Or... No. No. Mermaid or something. Um, yeah. Lots of unexpected <laughs> things, but not any un unidentified no. things. No. Apart from a lot of rubbish, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Joe, on to your question. No, I, I wanted to, I was desperately trying to change it because you've sort of, you've sort of mentioned it, but I wanted to talk about it with, because me and David were talking, like, I have to admit, we spoke earlier and we were like, look, what, we can't ask too a stupid question, like, because we know There's nothing. There's no such thing but, as a stupid question. Well, wait oh, for well. this then. <laughs> you you want to listen to a few of the old pods, you'll be surprised how often. Um, yeah. Basically, when you said about, because I, I wanted to know, like, are you, and you sort of answered it, are you traveling all the time? Uh, or do, is there big chunks where you're like, bloody hell, there's no wind, you can't go anywhere. So you're just sort of doing nout, basically. Is that you're traveling most of the time. You're, you, you're right. Um, occasionally around the equator, there will be days of no wind. But, you know, you're still trying to make the boat move. So you're still looking at the sails, you know, trying to catch a breath, a breath of air, you oh, know, really? to make sure that, you, you, you know, it, it's, a, it's, psychology, it's um, psychological. You can't stop racing. You can't just sit there and go, no, well, there's no wind. Right. Um, so you're pouring over weather charts and you're looking at the clouds on the horizon and you're trying to move the sails around. Um, so, you know, someone said to me, do you ever fish? You know, do you catch your own fish? Well, we don't because just having a fishing line out the back, you know, slows the boat down by, you know, one millionth of a knot or something. So oh, right. it's all about your headspace. You, you have got to be in racing mode all the time. So there's no downtime apart from no. when you're asleep. So when you're awake, you're working. Yes. 
And and when say so you do four hours for it, and do you sleep immediately? Because I was my other stupid question is: Do you have any form of entertainment on there? But if you're just sleeping and working, that's it. There's no playing card. I don't know. I just romanticise playing cards in a round a little table and having rum. Not really not moments like that. But you know, we're an all female crew. Women talk a lot. Mm. Um, so we we talked. For nine months, pretty much, um, you know, so when you find there's a group of you and sometimes, you know, you've had enough sleep and you come up on your off watch and, you know, you'll sit and chat and lots of group discussions and chats and laughs. And, um, you know, so it's it's such a privilege to be in that space with people that you really love being with for that length of time. Um, and, you know, it, it, your downtime you, you talk, you chat, you find out about each other. I mean, we did have music on the boat. A lot of the boats didn't have music. I can't imagine sailing around the world without music. Yeah. So we had, this will make you laugh, we had two old car speakers, um, which we welded into um, uh, combings on the deck. And then we had a car cassette player. <laughs> Do you remember the old car <laughs> yeah. cassette player? Yeah. Was... Oh. good car. <laughs> yeah. have, I had that in the nav station. And everyone had a couple of cassettes each. So Did you have a couple play. of now? That's what I call musics. That's what I remember from the, that year. Now that's what I call. Now that's right. Yes. <laughs> I had the first four. Or, or homemade tapes, which of course were totally illegal. Can you can yeah. you remember what any song? Because you must have, like after nine months going, please don't put that shit on again. <laughs> I mean, is there anything you ended up hating like from that year? Oh. Well, one of the songs we used to play the most in the Southern Ocean was Highway to the Danger Zone from Top Gun. Oh, oh God, yeah. Film from that, that year. Could, that could be played for nine months. That could definitely be played for nine months. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like the idea of you sailing at speed to that. But you're doing it, you're doing this all again. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so we, we, um, I sold Maiden at the end of the race, but I found her in 2014 rotting away in the Seychelles. And um, No. Yeah. How did, you, how did you find her? Well, the marina contacted me and they said, look, this bloke dumped your boat in the Seychelles. Very unedifying. Um, and she's been here for two years and she's in such an awful state that we're thinking of taking her out and sinking her. And oh. I just went, what? <laughs> what? So um, I did some crowdfunding and managed to buy her back. Well, actually, we, we just needed to pay off her debts um, with the marina. And then they said, right, she's yours, you can have her. And then we shipped her back to the UK and we raised the money to restore her. I mean, she was in a terrible state. It was heartbreaking. <laughs> um, but she now looks, oh, she looks even better. Where, than where is the boat? Well, now, literally today, in about two hours, she's just about to leave Cape Town yeah. with a new all-female crew. And they're sailing her here? Well, we, they're taking her to Brazil first, and then they're bringing her back to the UK. So what we decided to do with Maiden after we restored her was we decided to do a world tour, um, working with girls' educational charities around the world. So we raise funds and awareness for girls' education. 130 million girls around the world currently do not have access to education. And that number increased, obviously, um, when the Taliban banned girls from having an education 
in Afghanistan and uh, various other things which have happened around the world, the, the group of children least likely to return to education after something like the pandemic are girls and girls in poverty, uh, disadvantaged girls. So uh, we also have um, what we call the maiden program, which is young female sailors come sailing with us to get um, miles and qualifications. And we've been doing that for the past five years. Um, we are just about to, as I say, bring the boat up to the UK. And then in September, Maiden will race around the world for her final time. Um, With on, you on board? I won't be on board. Oh, we, okay. Right. No, we, we, this is about the next generation. So Marie Claude, French woman who I sacked, and myself, we are <laughs> running. say that every morning to her? <laughs> That's actually how she introduces herself. Remember I sacked you. The last time she, she she met the new crew maiden, she walked in, she went, Yes, I'm the one she sacked, and no one quite knew what to do with themselves. But so we we we've put together, we're trying out a new young all female crew. Um, me and Joe go. Sorry? For, can me and Joe go for the podcast? <laughs> It might have to be a few The world's longest podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. We'll just do, why don't we just do the putting on weight bit while they're <laughs> in? Uh, we'll meet you. What, in, in solidarity. In, we'll yeah, fly yeah, over to yeah, Australia. Yeah. We'll eat solidly yeah. with your crew for three weeks. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so they're off in September, did you say? Sorry. Yeah, so the OGR is a tribute to the original Whitbread. Um, so it's... Uh, four legs, um, exactly the same as the first ever Whitbread. Um, and there's no, uh, you can't use sat-nav or any modern equipment. It's oh. all going back to basics. Wow. Um, so sextant, paper charts, no radio, uh, all all back to basics. And Highway to the danger zone. And, and, and <laughs> we cassettes. will have an old cassette player back. Oh, really? Boat. Yes, because we don't have any modern I've probably got no, a few iPods. old tapes. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a load of VHSs if they want to watch (laughs) old porridges or anything. Got to find those old cassettes. Oh, amazing. So, where do do they set off from? Where's the first? They set off from Southampton on the 10th of September. Oh, I'd love to get down there, Joe. That would be amazing. That would be brilliant. Great start. Can we come down and wave wave everyone off? Oh, that would be great. Yes. Come down and see us. Yeah. Um, and then they'll be sailing to Cape Town, Auckland, Uruguay and home. So it's 33,000 miles, nine months, um, four legs. And and it's a young, up-and-coming, all-female crew. We've got a brand-new skipper who will be announcing at the end of June. She'll be my I thought it was going to be a pod exclusive there. And, we, and <laughs> yeah. I can announce. And we're like, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Maiden will be in London at St. Catherine's Dock at the end of June. Oh, I love so, it around there. Um, I have yeah, a good nose at all the boats around there. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, it? it's gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah, we love it there. Um, and then she'll retire. Maiden, Maiden will really? retire. Yeah, I think she's deserved it. I think she where, will it where will it retire? Where will it go? We're not sure at the moment. Um, we'll probably make an announcement um, at the start of the race. Uh, we're in talks with various um, places. Um, I just want her to be safe and well looked after and where she can be viewed by people as well. Mm. I think that would be nice. Um, Tracy, to, to sort of end the pod, would you, um, I hope you don't mind, Joe, I've just had an idea. Would you talk us through the most dangerous kind of hour or two that you've spent on her on your on your route? 
and what you had to what you witnessed and what you had to put up with yeah so i guess the only time i ever thought i might die what that we all might die um was after oh, we so we came up um around cape horn out of the southern ocean and actually cape horn was fine you know it was not what you would expect it, um, it to be and what it can be. And it was just as we were coming up past the Falkland Islands that we got hit by uh, a low pressure and front came through and it was wind on the nose, which means you're sailing into the wind um, and into the waves. So everything is against you and you're crashing into these waves and we oh we, how big we, are the waves tracy how big are they i guess probably about 30 to 40 feet um, at, at that point uh so not massive but big enough that you know you you don't want to be going into them and did uh, this but, all take you by surprise this change in weather uh you get we had about two days notice we didn't think it was going to be quite as bad uh and we took evasive action uh we went uh slightly more east towards the falkland islands than we would have done if we hadn't seen this coming but there's I'm sorry no way... tracy i keep thinking it's sorry in those two days are you bracing yourselves yes are you, are you really yeah so you're going through your reefing systems which are reducing how, how you're going to reduce your sail Who's going to be on deck? How quickly can we do it? Um, you know, so you, I mean, you've done all this before, but you just go through it again. And, and you know, so I'm saying to the to the crew, well, you know, this we're going to be bumping around for a few days, and there's no way around it. We have to go through it. Um, you know, you, you you are going into the wind, um, which, as I say, is just the most uncomfortable, awful, horrible position of sail that you can possibly be in. And you try and avoid it at all costs. And in those two days, Tracy, are you, is there the atmosphere sort of changed on the boat? Yeah, you, it does. Yeah. yeah, it becomes a bit tense. And oh. I mean, you're not scared at this point. You're You're aware that some pretty nasty stuff's coming up. And, you know, so you're just making sure that you're ready for it um, mentally and physically. When it hit us, it was much worse than, than we could possibly have expected. But now, see, see, if we weren't racing, we would have what's called hove to. So we would have come uh, away from the wind. We would have turned the bows of the boat away from the wind. We would have put a sea anchor out and we would have just ridden it out you know it would have been uncomfortable but we wouldn't have been forcing our way punching our way through the waves but we're racing you can't you can't stop well, that's the mentality of it because like <laughs> i'm because i this is why i'll never win the whip bread i'll be like <laughs> let's come forth let's come forth <laughs> i am yeah. being bumped so you, there was a way of easing your and you just went no let's plow on and do it the worst yeah because you're racing and, and you know, you, we had some ground to make up. We, we'd lost some ground at that point. We'd lost our overall position of first place because we'd won two legs of the Whitbread. And this leg, unfortunately, put us back to second place. Um, so we couldn't take our foot off the pedal. And day two, we have four days of this. Day two, I was down in the nav station and I realised my feet were wet, which is which is never a good sign, really. Mm. Um, and then I realised that there was water in the bottom of the boat lapping around. Um, and so I grabbed a couple of the crew and said, could you check this out? And we realised we had a leak. 
And we spent the next two days bailing out. Um, we, we couldn't bail out with our electronic um, system because it was underwater already. Um, our batteries were underwater. We were in serious trouble at this point. Um, and that was the only time that I've lied outright to the crew. And uh, because I was the only one that had ever sailed around the world. And I said to them, look, we went through worse than this on Atlantic Privateer. This is fine. This boat can take it. Don't worry about it. Just concentrate on what we're doing. <laughs> Whereas in my head, I was thinking, I actually think we might die. But you can't, you have to keep fighting because if you think, if you go into that headspace, then you're lost already. We, we did, I did say to Sal, now that, that this does make me laugh now. Uh, when you think about health and safety now, we have our life rafts on the deck of the boat so that if something happens, they'll float off and inflate automatically. In those days, we had the life rafts in cupboards, locked. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I remember, I remember saying to Sal, our safety officer, I use that word loosely. Hmm. Um, Sal, could you just quietly go and unlock the uh, locked padlocks? The, don't the, alarm the, um, anyone, but the um, the life raft lockers. Just don't say anything to anyone. But you know, so she quietly unlocked them. Um, but you know, it was all hands to the grindstone. We took all the floorboards up, got some buckets out, we bailed the boat out. That expression, there is no bilge pump like a bucket in the hands of a frightened sailor that's very very true <laughs> we discovered um we eventually emptied the boat out and managed to limp uh to uruguay uh, where we found out where the leak was and we made repairs but that that was the there were 48 hours there that i didn't think we i thought we might not make it through that was the and what 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 sorry what would not make it through look like the boat going down and yeah. you going in the water yeah oh my word is everyone going th like do you know did you do you know if the others were going through it as well like the same storm they'd been through not quite so bad um so the the big boats had, had bypassed it completely um the two boats in our class who were ahead of us at that point had been through because sort of the beginning of it we were we sort of got the middle of it but you know you you have your systems in place you know if the boat starts to sink this is what we do and everyone has a job you know so life rafts grab bags blah 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 we'd called the raf stationed in the falkland islands um they sent over an raf hercules actually to check on us at one point just to get get our position and see uh, the state of the boat they were in constant touch with us uh, which was I can't tell you how comforting it is to hear the voice of a human on land who, you know, can send out some kind of um, support for you if you if you end up in a life raft. Um, so it, if it had happened in the Southern Ocean, there would have been no one anywhere. So, the, you know, if it had to happen somewhere, then a few hundred miles off the Falkland Islands was was probably the best place. Oh, my God. I think I need to hear that whale story again after that. <laughs> oh, I don't. That's the last thing I need to hear. <laughs> I, want a, I want a story about oh, a friendly whale. whale story. <laughs> I might, I might oh. go back and listen to that bit now because that's just left me a yeah. little bit jittery. <laughs> cool. Well, come and see Maiden in London. And, oh, yes. When, um, when, when is, when's Maiden in London from? June. Yeah, 29th of June, we'll be in St. Catherine's Dock. 
Um, and you can come and see the calm, happy side of yeah, Satan. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I need. Yeah. 29th of June, I'm putting it in now. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tracy, for coming on as an honour. Oh, not, not at all. It's, it's been amazing such to fun. get to ask you questions about it. Yeah, it's nuts. It's, um, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. What a mad thing to do. So it's probably yeah. not, quite, not quite <laughs> worth summarising your. I and agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> your, all your achievements what a mad thing to do sorry uh, <laughs> thank you so much thank you Tra i really hope we can meet up yes yeah that would be great let's I'm do definitely that definitely coming to london and having a having a good yeah. gander brilliant thank you so much thank, thank you so much oh, thank you that. great to meet you guys and you take care bye bye